Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Yeah, I think we. Uh, I think the, the the important thing is, is you know, you know, you can't mandate a culture. So, but I think you need to hire people who meet the values of the corporation, and we try to attract people who agree with those values. And that's a cultural. That's a super important fit. And, and one of those cultural things is accountability, and making sure that we hold each other accountable and we work as a team. And so, I think uh, you know, building this culture of accountability and team playing. I always say that we should always win as a team and lose as a team. This is the Business Leadership Podcast and I'm your host, Edwin Frondozo. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. I truly appreciate you. And with a couple of weeks left in summer, I am excited to share the conversation I had with Gary Sarenverda, the founder and CEO of Daisy Intelligence, North America's preeminent authority on artificial intelligence. Before launching Daisy Intelligence, he was the former head of IBM Canada's data mining and data warehousing practices. In this episode, Gary shows how he leads the product vision of his company, and we talk about the importance of recruiting, specifically how to attract and retain the best talent in today's competitive landscape and What I really loved most is we got to talk about artificial intelligence, what it is, how it is making an impact on business today and in the future. Today's podcast is brought to you by True Shield Insurance, Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. And with that, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Gary. Thanks very much for having me on. I really appreciate your time, Gary. Can we just start off by introducing yourself to the listeners today? If you could tell us who you are and maybe what you like to do when you're not focused on growing and leading businesses. Yeah, my name is Gary Serenverda. I'm the founder and CEO of Daisy Intelligence. Um, Outside of work, uh, there's two streams of things I like to do. One is I'm an avid tennis player. uh, So I play a lot of tennis. And the other thing I like to do is read science textbooks to keep learning. So those are my two passions outside of, uh, outside of work. Oh, wow. When you talk about science textbooks, are you talking about like literature that are from like college institutions or uh, any type of journals? Yeah, I mean, I read kind of science journals, physics, my uh, aerospace engineer. So I, you know, read about uh, fluid dynamics and relativity. And, you know, those are ideas that help me at work. And it's kind of my passion to continue learning and personal, personal development. So I love it. I love it. I, I guess with the events happening with space exploration, that must, that must, uh, 
be really amazing and interesting for you. Yeah, I'm a huge NASA nut. So with all this 50th anniversary, is like it was like heaven on earth. My wife uh, laughing at me because of all the PVR recordings I have that have like because Apollo comes up first on the recording list. She's going, "What the heck is all this, all these Apollo recordings?" <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. Awesome. So why don't we? Jump right in. You mentioned you're the founder, you're the CEO of Daisy Intelligence. Let us know what Daisy Intelligence is or does. Tell us your specific roles or the responsibilities that you're doing right now. And if you can, what you're trying to accomplish over the next six six to 12 months. Yeah, so Daisy Intelligence, so, you know, we're an, uh, an artificial intelligence platform, um, and we help our clients make smarter decisions. Uh, in, in every business, there are some, uh, you know, some operating decisions that are really beyond human capability, and we believe that AI can be used to uh, help humans make those decisions. So, for example, uh, one industry we work in is retail. And uh, retailers, every single week, they have to decide what is the combination of products I should promote, what's the combination of prices I should charge, and how much inventory of products should I allocate to all my stores and my distribution centers, whether you're a bricks and mortar or, or e-commerce uh, retailer. And so those decisions are super complex. If you can imagine having to choose 500 products out of uh, 50,000, if you do the, you know, the lotto ticket math, you know, that's an infinite number of possible combinations. And so that's where we think AI can come and help, help humans make the optimal decisions that'll generate financial results in those types of processes that are beyond human capability. So that's what Daisy does. We, we deliver decisions to our clients. When they execute those decisions, we've been able to double the profitability of companies that range in size from $200 million in revenue to over $40 billion in revenue. Wow, that's amazing. And, and when you talk about it, and just, just a quick on, on that note, uh, for those who are listening who may not, you know, maybe the first time they're talking about AI, and when we talk about AI on, on a really high level, we're talking about the machine giving us options, optimal options for us as humans to make decisions, right? Yeah, I think today there's a human being in the loop uh, that, that looks at the decision. I think what's going to happen in many of these cases, like the retail case, that um, – that it'll be machine to machine making the decision with human oversight. If you look at the stock market as a great example of, you know, 20 years ago, the stock market, you know, was a highly sought after limited commodity called stocks and financial instruments. There was buyers and sellers that would go to the trading floor and there'd be all this manual trading activity happening on the trading floor. I'd say today, a lot of that has been automated away and it's done with computer trading and human oversight site on letting the computers make the buy and sell decisions. And I think that, and it's, you know, the, the human trading hasn't completely gone away, but a, a lot of it has. And I think a lot of that similar path is going to happen in a lot of decision-making industries. And I think retail is one for sure where that will happen as well. No, that's great. And when it comes to your specific role and being the founder, I, I imagine you had your hands in many parts of building the business. So what are you currently focused on when it comes to day-to-day -day operations or leading leading the company to to the next phase of the business? 
Yeah, I mean, as I as a founder, I was involved in everything, and I'm technical, so I helped write the original software. But but today, and I've been fortunate to help grow the company, and we're at about sixty employees. So my my role today is really, you know, I lead the product vision and the kind of visionary. So I I evangelize about Daisy. Um, I work with some of our clients to get ideas for product improvements that I pass on to our development team. I help with selling and finding new clients. So our sales teams will occasionally bring me in to, to share, uh, you know, whatever story and company vision that'll help close sales. And then, uh, and the last most important thing is helping build the company and the culture. The thing that are really, keeps me up at night is making sure that we attract the right team and have the right to uh, motivate the existing team that we have because uh, at the end of the day, you need people to execute. And, and so that's really what I'm focused on these days. Yeah. And let's talk about that for a second um, in terms of what's keeping you up at night, Gary. I mean, and it's been talked quite a bit in terms of of culture and the CEO really leading that. But because the size of your business and the growth projections where you're going, it's really essential at this point in terms of really um, ironing out what you want the company culture to be. So what specific things are you doing now aside from, you know, maybe it is included, you know, how you're tracking and how you're retaining um, key individuals or the best talent as well. Like what are you really learning now and looking to improve? Yeah, I think we, uh, I think the, the, the important thing is, is, you know, you know, you can't mandate a culture. So, but I think you need to hire people who meet the values of the corporation. And so we have a set of values that if you're a, if you're a card carrying member of the Daisy fan club, there's a certain set of values that, that we try to live by. And we try to attract people who agree with those values. And that's a cultural, that's a super important fit. And so that's an important thing to do that. And then, and then, and one of those cultural things is accountability. And making sure that we hold each other accountable and we work as a team. And so I think, uh, you know, building this culture of accountability and team playing, I always say that we should always win as a team and lose as a team, never lose alone. So if you're having a hard time, you're failing, let somebody know, and then the whole company will come and help you and we'll try and solve that problem. And if we've all tried our best and lose together, then that's okay because you can't win them all. And, and so building that cultural area and figuring out how to tell prospective employees what it's like at Daisy and making this an attractive place to work. I think those are things that are important. And then working on this kind of work-life integration. I don't like the word balance. I, mm-hmm. you know, we, we want to support our employees. If you're bought into the mission, there's no doubt about it that any startup or small growing company, we're kind of a scaling uh, phase now, that it, it's really built off the willingness of our employees to work really hard and go above and beyond. I certainly don't want to build a sweatshop, but I want to make it as easy as possible. I want to support uh, people who work for this company and help them in their personal lives. Can we take care of some things at home that would help them and give and make it easier that when there is work to be done, they're able to do that. And so we're just figuring that stuff out now is how can we support people, uh, our employees to, to help them with their entire life and not just focus on Daisy only. Yeah. And, and that's key key moving into the future with flexibility and and working with the younger generations. I just wanted to ask you, because as you're scaling up and you're understanding, obviously you can't mandate the culture, but understanding the values of the people that uh, are around the table. Was there a point within your business um, when you realized maybe some of these early on team members, employees, 
don't fit the values of uh, of what we're trying to build. And how did you go about, um, I guess, moving on from that? Yeah, that's a very, very difficult uh, roadblock to run into. And you've had people from the early days who the values in the early days, the core values were not different, but some of the some of the way it happened, you know, some of the kind of kind of secondary values were different at the time. And so, as the corporation has evolved, some of those early employees who had a, had a huge impact at getting us to where we are today, when you realize they're no longer a fit for the company, and you have to offer them the option to move on, um, then in those cases, we certainly made sure they had a, enough stock options that w- when the company is successful, that they can also participate in the future value that we create and, and um, you know, do everything we can to help them move on and, and pay, uh, you know, above and beyond in terms of a fair severance that'll help them get on and offer, you know, references and all those things. So, you know, and then there is a few situations like that, that we had to deal with. And it was really gut wrenching personally, because I had personal relationships with these people who we sweat, blood and tears, stayed up in the middle of the night, countless times to have to say, Hey, you know what, it's not working out. And, uh, and there was, a, and in most cases, it was a mutual agreement. You know what, you're right. And then we helped each other move on from that. And, but, uh, Definitely, uh, you know, tears involved, right? But uh, we did the best we could to help them move on fairly. Yeah, and I know talking with a number of founders, going through that is a difficult thing. And sometimes it takes it takes really a long time before we have that first conversation. And one thing I want to just quickly switch upon Gary is because as I looked at your career, you had a you had a pretty successful career leading a number of organizations and now the one you founded is this one. And we were just talking about a difficult decision or a difficult conversation that you had. So I'm wondering if you could share um, a specific decision, a specific roadblock as you like to say, um, that you had to make that really helped you grow to the business leader you are today? Yeah, I think one of the things that um, along the way, when I was outside of, you know, Daisy and I worked for other corporations, I think what you have to learn is to, you're committed to the company you work for. And sometimes you have to put your personal interests aside. And uh, one of one mentor I had as a boss who was a more senior person, um, you know, said that you can't fall in love with what you're doing if you work for a corporation because because the corp, you know, large corporations will change their vision and strategy at points in time. So when I worked for, you know, IBM and, and they said, you know, you have to become a chameleon to be able to play your role in different subject areas. And I find that very, you know, you very telling. And, and for me, the difficult decision was the company didn't want to, one of the companies, not IBM, but one of the earlier companies I was working for said, we will never, they told me we will never invest in your area. But we want, we like having you around and you can stay here as long as you want and we'll find something for you. And, uh, that was a decision for me that I wasn't willing to put aside my personal vision. And so that decision to leave and move on was then what really precipitated me founding Daisy and said, if I want to stick to my vision, I better, I better do this for myself because working for a company, you never know if, if things change, you know. I mean, from the sounds of it, at least there was an open conversation with you and your management team there, letting you know that, by the way, whatever you're working on, 
we don't believe it anymore, but we do like you. Um, so, I mean, that, that's a key learning aspect from the employee side as well. And something you probably took away as well as you lead and you manage your team as well. Um, I'm wondering, Gary, and you talked about it, and I don't want to dig too deep into it because we, we, we were talking about culture, but as founders become CEOs, become visionary leaders, I find there's always something that you're working on to build a new skill when it comes to leadership. Is there something specific um, that you're really looking to tone in on, whether you're, you know, maybe hired a coach to help you on this or have a mentor or a group that's really helping you learn that skill set today? Yeah, I think for me, the thing I'm working working on is holding people accountable. You know, I'm I'm a super nice guy. Uh, I think I am, and and I and so I think figuring out how to hold people accountable and still be a nice guy. You know, that uh, you know things have to get done, and having the hard conversations that has not been a strength of mine in the past. I kind of avoid the difficult personal conversations. So I've been really focused on learning how to do that a lot better because I think accountability is important both for the person you're dealing with and yourself as well hold each other accountable and so so i think that that's been something i'm working on and i do have some mentors and coaches that i've worked with in the past and continue to work with today that helping me on that personal development side today's sponsor is true shield insurance canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses true shield not only will help educate you on the risks of your business but also provide unique solutions, including the ability to purchase your insurance online. Simply go to trueshield.ca, answer a few questions, and get a quote which you can purchase. Let TrueShield help protect what you've worked so hard to build. What do you find is the key um, aspect or the key trait that you're doing when it comes to accountability that's allowing you to overcome it? Is it quicker conversations? Is it detailed notes? Like, like what is helping you get better at it? I think it's when coming to the realization that when you ask someone to do something, you have to be very clear in your communication to set what is, what are, what am I asking the task to be completed or project to own or whatever that is, be very clear in communicating that. What are the expectations? Um, How, when do you expect to have this completed? When do I need to hear back from you? You know, you need to clearly set all the expectations and then ask the person to replay all that back to you to make sure that they understood what you were asking and then doing regular follow-up, interim follow-up with that person to make sure they're making progress towards the goals and set your expectations. In the past, I just assumed that, hey, I'll just ask this. The person is intelligent and smart. They'll figure it out. They'll just go away and do it and come back. And that doesn't work at all. You know, people who know this might think it sounds naive for me to think that, but I just thought, you know, I've always been a person that just gets stuff done on my own, not self-starter, but not everybody is like that. And so I think just being very clear, follow up, all of that stuff, I think is something that I'm really working on. And then when the person, if the person is not meeting those expectations, then being very quick to say, hey, this is not going well. This is what I think you need to do. Offering help, asking why isn't going so well. You know, I think those are the, the tough conversation part of it is, is uh, another, that important part as well. And what I'm hearing, Gary, which was a huge learning part, and even for me as well, is is asking them to 
um, repeat what you said because um, some people may think it's clear in their head, but when it comes out of their mouth and when someone tries to repeat it, it's totally lost in translation. So that could be that it's either you don't have a clear um, objective or it's more complicated and not simplified enough to give that task along. So, I mean, I, I remember learning that, 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 that in instructions as well. So um, it's, uh, it's definitely learning in terms of accountability and, and follow-up as well. I want to change topics into your specific industry. And what's really fascinating to me, me being an engineer as well and, and understanding, you know, and really fascinated what's happening in this world. I want to get your thoughts when it comes to artificial intelligence and perhaps what you're thinking about when, I mean, you're, de- you're deploying this technology that helps the employees make decisions. So what are you thinking about how we should lead the next generation of employees with all these tool sets aside? Yeah, I think the way we view the world is, the, you know, it's divide the world into two. There's, there's decision-making that's beyond human capability, and that's because it's very complex, mathematical, highly quantitative, very repetitive, and occurs in huge volumes of decisions required. So, And then there's the other type of decision-making, which, which is ambiguous logic, human interaction, creativity, more qualitative than quantitative, you know, if you divide the world in two, and the idea is to change the job roles. Today, the job roles are all melded together because we, you know, in some areas we have technology to help us, but in, you know, applying AI to decision making is new. So I think it's changing job roles. I see less displacement. There will be some displacement, but I think it's more changing people's job roles and recognizing that, that here, this is what the computers do well, and then this is what humans do well. And then the, some of the new tasks that people need to do is that people essentially need to train the AI. People become lion tamers. So it's now how do you train the people to, to oversee the AI? Because you have to give the AI the rules, the boundaries, the constraints that the AI is allowed to operate in. And so it's now you're kind of training the AI on, on how, on how it should behave. And I think that's, that's how we see the world and that's how we talk about it. And with our, some of our business partners who specialize in, in change management, working with defining these new roles and some of the new tasks that need to be completed that never did. And I think those new tasks are why the displacement won't be as large as people think it is because there are new things that people need to do that only people can do even though the, some of the this ai machinery will will take over some of the decision making yeah and, and when we talk about displacement gary i mean it might just be a shift in our job roles right um so there's really no displacement of the head count it's just the matter of the job roles is that is that, is that what you're thinking I'm thinking, yeah, there'll, there'll be a little bit of displacement, but I think I, in terms of some people will lose their jobs, but I think for the most part, there'll be a lot less of that. And I think that, you know, I don't want that as, you know, you, we want to build technology for the good of humanity. So, I think you know, in the industries we work in, we think it's just about changing the job role, um, you know, have minimal headcount reductions, where really the, the power of the technology is in in delivering economic value to the companies and, 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 uh, and, 
and retraining people to do new things and then improving job satisfaction. Because I, I got to believe doing jobs that are beyond human capability don't leave a lot of room for satisfaction. It's stressful, challenging, mm-hmm. relentless that I'd like to see. I think today I, I looked at a survey or a, a paper published by the OECD, um, you know, international organization um, that they said, you know, the, the number five, you know, the you know, loving the job was the fifth most important reason to have a job. I, I found that kind of a sad statement. You know, if we can mm-hmm. make loving the job the number one ranked item that you care about and maybe by enabling people to do what people do best we can help that happen in addition to having economic efficiency also growing job satisfaction you know by letting people do what they're good at i think that should be the goal that's great gary can you name a person who had a tremendous impact on you as a business leader or even an entrepreneur. It could be anyone uh, that you have met in the past, a mentor. It could even have had people tell me that it's someone they've never met as they just read about them a lot. I think on a personal level, you know, my father, a big, you know, uh, uh, you know, we, we emigrated from Finland. So I was born in Finland. My dad was an auto mechanic and he had his own business and, you know, showed me the value of hard work and being an entrepreneur and uh, being super. And I saw, and he was my hockey coach. I played ice hockey as a kid and he coached me for several years and just watching his leadership style and how, how he operated that had a huge impact on me, um, as in terms of how being a leader and, and being an entrepreneur. And uh, in terms of, uh, and then my grandfather as well, who was in the military in Finland and was a, you know, hugely successful, uh, you know, contributor to athletics in Finland and, uh, and was a war hero. I think that, you know, seeing these hardworking, um, you know, men were real examples for me. People who I've never met. I mean, the scientific method, I, I, you know, people like Einstein and mm-hmm. James Clerk Maxwell are kind of personal heroes. Newton, who came up with these scientific theories and that, that's really, really motivated our AI approach. I think the the vast majority of AI is really mislabeled. Um, It's really statistical analysis. When I think of AI, I think of control theory and engineering and scientific causal theories, which is what NASA does and what the U.S. Air Force does. And, you know, so thinking about theoretical advancements as the, as the underpinning for smart technologies. This has really been a motivator for me. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Gary, is there anything that uh, you are reading right now? Yeah, I read two kinds of books. So the one I'm reading a, a leadership book called leading by greatness by David Lapin, who's uh, talking about how to how to motivate people and how to how to how to get your team and inspire and motivate those kind of distinguishing the difference between those two. So that's one book, and then I read a lot of science books. I'm reading uh, General Relativity by Steve Weinberg, and and uh, you know that's a. a, a working on that and some under and some books on uh, s- um, you know s- semi Riemannian th- uh, theory um, rem- uh, you know you got the theory of Riemannian manifolds which is part of general relativity which kind of underpins some of the theoretical stuff we're working on as a business so I like that personal development so those are the two types of books I typically read oh that's amazing and I'm sure it keeps you busy as well and especially reading leadership, learning, learning how to grow as a business leader and science. Science is always moving forward. So I really love, uh, I mean, personally, I'd love to take a peek at your, your bookshelf one day <laughs> and you need to share your top five books one day. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. I did definitely have a huge, I've kept all my engineering textbooks around me in my office because I've, uh, I've never thrown any book away that I've bought. I figure knowledge is power. So yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, one thing that fascinates me and I share a lot of this, um, in terms of growing, whether you're an entrepreneur or a business leader or manager is, is sort of like productivity hacks or new systems that allow, allow us to, get better at what we're doing. So I'm wondering if you have learned anything new that you recently implemented that is helping you move forward as a business leader or entrepreneur or leader. Um, I think, um, you know, helping me move forward is, is um, you know, finding people and handing off responsibilities and focusing, letting myself focus only on what I'm good at. So that's really been a productivity booster for me personally. Find out what you like to do and what you're good at and then build a team around you that that takes, that can, you can pass the responsibility uh, for things that you're not good at, pass it on to the team. So you want to have a team that fits together, that can, uh, that can help each other out in that way. And then for me, it's just about hard work and discipline. Plan. I think I've always, you know, I get up, uh, I, you know, I get up early in the morning, you know, try to go to the gym, play tennis if I can, and, and uh, you know, put in a good solid day's work and, you know, and just focus on at work, you do work. And uh, when you're outside of that, then you can kind of do some of the personal things you like to do. So that discipline and continual persistence that you, you have to do relentlessly day after day, that's a habit that I've had my whole life. And then the ability recently just to focus on what I like to do and what I'm good at. The fact that the business has grown has allowed me to, you know, to do that. And, and handing away responsibility as an entrepreneur is a, it's a difficult thing to do. You know, I've never had to do that before. So it's, <laughs> it's new and learning to trust and say, hey, you know, that person did it differently than I would have done it, but that's okay, you know, because it's allowed me to do something else. Yeah, and, no, that, you know, that's, that's, a, that's definitely a learning thing. Yeah, letting go 100%. Fun question, Gary. If I were to ask any of your current team members or even past um, colleagues, peers, stakeholders, what's the best leadership quality that you possess? What do you think they would say? I, I would say one that I'm fun to be around. I think I'm intense, but I also like to have fun and laugh and uh, and then just being visionary and passionate about what I do. I think my passion is infectious. I think I'm good at selling and telling a story and attracting people. So I think people would be attracted to that passion and, and the idea of no matter how hard things get, you always have to laugh and find some humor in it. So I think those are two qualities that people I hope would, would, would say about me. So what else is going on, Gary? Is there anything new, any initiatives, special projects that you are super excited about and would love to share with us today. Yeah, we're in the final strokes of a capital raise, which is super exciting, which is going to enable the company to move to downtown Toronto and be in a more vibrant environment. So that's super exciting. Um, we're doing a, um, a rebranding. Um, we're not changing the name of the company or the logo, but just really tightening up our brand values and our brand promise. That's super exciting because I think brand is super important. Important. And then we're really working on making our software, you know, enterprise software has traditionally been complex, boring, not fun. And we've all been spoiled by the slick smartphone and web-based apps that are so easy to use, fun to use, that we use in our personal lives. So our real mission is 
to say, how can we redesign our software so that it's like consumer software, you know, fun, easy, slick, use it anywhere, when you want it, how you want it. And, and, and that's a big project that's ongoing now. Those are kind of three super exciting things that, uh, that I'm really jazzed about. Wow. So amazing milestones, super excited. Be sure to keep us noted in terms of what's happening. We'd be happy to to share it out and celebrate as you guys grow as well. But before we end, Gary, I'd love to get some final thoughts, observations, ideally some type of actionable items that you could share uh, to the listeners today. I think one thing I, I see young entrepreneurs are in a rush and I think, um, and I think nothing happens quickly. And I think you have to have perseverance over a long period of time. I was at Elevate AI in Toronto, uh, last year. I think two years ago, it was Koshla uh, from Koshla Ventures was there. Mm-hmm. And he said, you need to survive in business long enough that good luck comes your way. And that was really, that really hit home to me because, you know, I, I've, and I think I've been at this, I started this business in 2003. I had the belief that I was on to something that using AI to help humans make smarter decisions. That was the core vision. And how it's exactly landed in the market today is different than what I thought it was in 2003. But I stuck to that core vision. I felt I was right. I constantly tested myself that, am I crazy? Am I not crazy? Because you have to do that. So you can't just blindly be perseverant. And so doing that and sticking to something for 15 years. I think being an entrepreneur, if there's an exit for me someday, and I don't want there to be, my worst nightmare would have a, to be, would, would be to have an exit in three years and be unemployed and have a lot of money in the bank. I, I want to change the world. So, you know, I want the, the end is the anticlimax. You know, the exit is not what you're working for. It's the whole process and perseverance and the 15 years I've spent has filled my life. And so I think, uh, having the attitude that you're going to be in this for the long haul, it's going to give you purpose, stick to your vision, you know, trust yourself. I think those are the actionable items that I would really challenge young entrepreneurs to, to try to follow. Don't be in a rush. Anything worth having is takes time. I love it. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate this time uh, that you took to share with us. But to close, Gary, can you tell us where we can find more information about you, Daisy Intelligence, or anything else that you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, um, you can go to our website, uh, daisyintelligence.com. You can see there, um, I have a LinkedIn page, Gary Serenverda. If you find the spelling of my name, just look me up on LinkedIn. I'm the only Serenverda out there. My son and my brother, but the only other two, so I'm easy to find. Mm-hmm. You can connect with me via LinkedIn. I'm always open to connect with people interested in, uh, in talking about it. Just, you know, when you invite me, put some, you know, little note that says, hey, you know, really interested in talking about this or, you know, give me some insight as opposed to just a random connection and I'm happy to always make connections with people interested in things that I'm interested in no that's great well Gary thank you for taking the time to join us on the business leadership podcast yeah I appreciate you having me on Edwin it was uh, it was a pleasure that's it biz leaders thank you for joining me on another episode of the business leadership podcast this was episode number 123 with Gary Sarenverda. If you want to learn more about Gary, Daisy Intelligence, or anything else that we discussed, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 123. Join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode, answer your questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. 
Simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly on Facebook. Thank you again to today's episode sponsor, True Shield Insurance, Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Okay.